We are so honored that you would take the time out of your week to listen to this week's message. We pray that you find it helpful and life-giving. If you would like more information on Hope Church, you can check us out at www.hopedelmarva.com. That's D-E-L-M-A-R-V-A dot com. Thanks for listening. Listen, I want to encourage you this morning, if you're tuning in uh, online, online, um, get in the house. Don't make excuses. It is important to be here together. I want to see your face. I want you to see my face. I want to be able to encourage you in person. We have food. What more do you need? We have amazing coffee. I know, like we had a scientific study in preparing to launch this church where we weighed and measured coffee to make sure that we had the best coffee. Legitimately at the office, okay? We weigh our coffee and grind it fresh weekly for you. For you. So don't neglect coming to the house. It's good. Are you excited this morning? I'm excited to dive into our last week of our series, Unpopular Opinions. How many of you enjoyed this series? It's good. It's so good. I'm going to walk back over here again. Because already... Somebody say already. 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 (laughs) It is happening. Um, Before we move into this week, I want to invite you um, to come next week. I know Alfie said something, but next week is going to be super special because we're celebrating a year. If you've ever been married, you know (laughs) the first year. Woo! (laughs) The first three are rough, but that first one, she's special. All them kinks getting ironed out. And that's what's happening here. And not only that, we've had so many transitions um, in our community, in our spaces. Man, we are the transformers, okay, of church. Just so you know, church planners are different people. We just have a different build to us. We're a little crazy. And I love what we have going here. And it's only going to get better. So make sure you are inviting people, friends and family, to celebrate what God is doing, what God has done next week. My four-year-old daughter is an expert in relationships. Uh, I know this now because she came to me this week and she said to me, "Um, Mom, I said, yes, baby. She said, Axel and I are getting married. I said, say what? Who is this Axel kid? Mama, he's in my class. We hold hands. I said, you do what? She said, yes. And we're going to get married. And she told her father that they're going to get married at the church offices. And now, if you don't know, we are a mobile church, which means we don't have a regular church building. We actually have a warehouse with offices attached, okay? Um, We're also under renovation at our warehouse office space because we need more offices, which is cool. Uh, But it's a hot mess over there right now. There's just boards. There's no walls yet. We don't have gypsum up. We don't have anything official. But that's her space. She's going to get married. And I'm like, okay, babe. And she's also figured out her other relationships in her classroom. So she's an expert. Adeline is her bestie. Bestie for life. Every day they plan sleepovers. Every day. Until she gets here. And then we, we, we are running into some problems here at church. Now, you guys know pastor kids are a little extra, okay? 
Uh, Phoebe's no exception. Uh, I recently was informed that Phoebe told other children that she could not play with them because she could only play with girls with light hair. <laughs> I'm not teaching her this at home. This is her on her own. Uh, recently, she's taken up to telling anybody who does not do as she asks, I don't like you. And we're not friends anymore. So she's an expert. Can we just all be honest for just a minute and say that sometimes in our relationships, we act like a four-year-old? Sometimes we act like a four-year-old. And can we just really be honest and say that relationships are really hard because people are complicated. So this morning, I want to be able to help us in our relationships. So we're going to look at a popular opinion about relationships because one of the hardest and most painful parts of the human experience is our relationships. Now, <clears throat> I want you to know that we are on the Bible app. This is exciting for me. Our church, if you go in the Bible app, you can do it right now. I'm totally cool with it. If you go in the Bible app, you search up Hope Church, you will find our church you can jump into our church, and then we have recommended reading plans for you already in your Bible app. Cha-ching! Awesome, okay? So, but in the Bible app, I can figure out what other people have searched. The number one topic searched in the Bible app is love, followed closely by anxiety. So there you go. We want to know about love because we're anxious. We're anxious about it. It's complicated. Relationships are hard especially in our culture, when we treat relationships as a disposable means to our happiness. And, and this is what the popular opinion is. If I could summarize popular opinion right now. Popular opinion right now is relationships are important so long as they serve me. The most important outcome of my relationship with anyone is that I achieve something as a result of them, regardless of what it means for the other person. This achievement is more important than the others. The goal of relationships is that they serve my interests and needs. Relationships only need to last as long as they serve my purposes, they are disposable. Can I tell you that in our society, we see this lived out in no greater way than in the horror of women aborting babies. This is not a political statement. This is a biblical statement. Amen. Babies are people and they're not disposable. They're not an inconvenience. But time and time again, we tell young, mostly minority women that their lives are going to be worse if they're a mother instead of empowering them to be the best mother they can be, we tell them that it's not worth it. It's disposable. And it's a problem that they can just simply take care of. That's one of the reasons that we are a partner with something called Hepzibah 624. It's an organization out of the Wesleyan Church that helps champion the lives of vulnerable children in every community where there is a Wesleyan Church. In partnership with Hepzibah 624, they've helped us and our staff get training in trauma-informed care, if you don't know, our whole entire area has been through trauma in one way or another, especially our children. 
So all of our staff has been trained in trauma-informed care. In the next coming months, we will open up trauma-informed care to our community, and we will help train other people in our community to be able to recognize and help kids and adults who've been in trauma. <coughs> Not only that, this week, Liz and I are flying to Georgia to be a part of the uh, Children, or Christian Alliance for Orphans Summit, where he, she and I will learn how our church can begin to partner with foster and adoptive families. Since Roe v. Wade has been overturned, there will be more and more children who are in need of foster and adoptive care. And we want to be a church who becomes a solution to that. And so we are going to learn how we can be a solution. And that, that is what we want as a body. It's important to us. Why? Because those babies matter. People matter. Is being a parent hard? Y'all can answer that. Shout it out. Let me hear you say it. Yes. Is it worth it? Yes. Yes. We also see this popular opinion played out in our friendships. Popular culture friendships are complicated and oftentimes we'll find that people we want to be friends with, we do so because it's an advantage for us in some area. Either we get a benefit of business kickback, we get money because they'll be our friends, or we get a better connection at work. And we always seem to be jockeying in our friendships so that we can get a better advantage. For who? For them? No, for us. It's all about us. And listen, Marriages across the world, can we just be honest, are dysfunctional and abusive, some. And they're often seen as temporary. And I see it lived out in my community. I see it lived out in the neighbor whose whole family was torn apart because dad decided to go outside of the marriage because mom wasn't making him happy anymore. Or we see it in the mom who's married to her work because she just can't seem to face the troubles at home. Right? For us to truly break out of the cycles of unhealthy relationships and build ones that are rich and fulfilling, we have to start with some truth that I believe, if we embrace and carry out, can absolutely transform our lives. So if you take nothing else away from this morning, I want you to remember this phrase. Healthy me, healthy us. It starts with you. It starts with me. So we're going to look this morning introspectively because we need to have wholesome relationships that are thriving and life-giving, but that starts with healthy us. That's why oftentimes when anybody comes to Alfie and I for counseling as a couple, we first go, yes, we want you to get couples help. We're going to come. We're going to help you. But the first thing you're going to have to do is go and separately see somebody because you got to work on you, boo, before working on y'all, boo, Okay. Because y'all been messing in the boo-boo. And you got to fix it. You got to fix you first. Last week we established that God initiates the relationship with us through grace. Through grace. And our receiving of that grace is the basis for a healthy new us. When we say yes to Jesus, that starts our new healthy journey. And we need this gift of salvation and redemption from Jesus Christ to establish a healthy relationship with God. And our healthy relationship with God is foundational for every other relationship in our life. Okay? So you got to fix this before you can fix this. Right? 
You got to fix this up and down relationship before you can fix these across the board relationships. That's why we need the cross. Y'all get what I'm saying here? I'm not trying to be Catholic right now. I'm just saying. All right, so let's look at the word. Ephesians 3, 16 through 17 says it this way. It says, I pray, Paul says, that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power. Okay. Power through his Holy Spirit where in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now notice the first thing that is strengthened is your inner being. It's you. It's you from the inside out. God works in us from the inside out. And God knows that before unity with others, you have to be healthy first. In the natural world, right, when a patient is receiving blood or an organ, um, <clears throat> it has to be first established that that organ is healthy or that blood is clean. Right? Before you fuse two things together, you got to make sure both of them are clean and ready. Right? And so that is what needs to happen for us. Here is how... Um, listen, would you put a dysfunctional liver, one that isn't functioning appropriately, in a person who needs a liver? No, you would have to get a fully functioning, healthy liver, right, to help that person. Here's how doctors Les and Leslie Perot put it. <clears throat> if you try to build intimacy with another before you have gotten whole on your own, all your relationships will become an attempt to complete yourself. read that again. If you try to build intimacy with another before you've gotten whole on your own, all of your relationships will become an attempt to complete yourself. And here's a really important truth that I wish all single people would know. It's one that I've taught ever since I was in student ministry. Nobody was designed to complete you except Jesus Christ. There is no other person on this planet. You don't have a soulmate. You have a choice that you make continually every day to be with that person. Nobody can complete you. You have to do the hard work on your own. Because if you're looking for somebody else to fill the holes in you, it's not going to happen. It's just not. No one in your life is a shortcut to your personal wholeness. Okay, ultimately, you are the one who must do the work on your own to become psychologically, spiritually, and emotionally whole. Why? Here's the next point. Because your relationships can only be as healthy as you are. Your relationships will suffer if you are suffering. But can I also be honest, because I just want to be real with people who are in strong, uh, struggling relationships right now. Because there's going to be people who are listening who are in horrible situations. And I want you to understand that if your partner has stepped out on you and has caused you to be hurt through an affair or through an abuse, yes, there is a way through that and healing, but no, you are not required to stay. You are required to get out and get help. And I will tell you right now that Hope Church will do anything in our power to help you. We have put women in apartments. We have helped in many, many different ways, in many, many different hard circumstances. So I want to talk to you a little bit about what a healthy relationship looks like. Um, 
Alfie and I are a perfect example. Just kidding. Okay, I don't have this all figured out. Okay, Alfie and I have a great marriage. We've been married for 25 in April. 25 in April. See, I had it. Uh, 25 in April years. Thank you. <clears throat> uh, can I tell you that that's only happening because of Jesus Christ? And because we've had to do a lot of hard work separately to heal what was broken in our marriage. Because we both brought some ugliness in our relationship. But this is what the Bible says a healthy relationship looks like. And I'm going to tell you that some of this might be outside of what some other churches have taught you before. Um, I'm telling you what is a biblical gospel-centered relationship, and I am telling you what is the Wesleyan stance on relationships, okay? Does that make sense? Um, here it is, summarized in one sentence from the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 5.21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another. Notice this doesn't say, wives submit to your husbands in total subjugation so that you must do what he says, when he says, how he says it. That is a recipe for absolute disaster. Notice it doesn't say husbands grovel in front of your wives and do whatever she says either. No, this is called mutual submission. This whole sentence frames all of our relationships ever. You are to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And it's very important to understand this because in a healthy, mutually submissive relationship, nobody is jockeying for leadership. Well, she wears the pants in this relationship. Or I'm in charge. I have the final say. No. So like what we have to do is we have to make sure that we submit to one another out of reverence for who? Christ. Out of reverence for Christ. Nobody is trying to jockey for first place. Nobody is in charge. Nobody has the last say. We also don't use the other person to fill in a gap left by trauma. So if you were traumatized in a former relationship, you're not using that other person to kind of fill in a role that either your parents or in another relationship caused you. You're not putting a Band-Aid using a person to fill a hole that you should have worked through filling earlier. You're also not projecting unresolved hurt from the past onto the relationship. You're not going to pour out your anger and your bitterness from your last relationship into the new one. And you're not going to make that person stand in the role that somebody else had in your life and then make them pay for something that person did to you. That's not mutual submission. <clears throat> mutual submission is also not about gender roles or authority. Can I be honest? This took a really long time for me to undo and Alfie and I to undo in our marriage. I had to realize that I was expecting early on in our marriage when we both came to Christ, I wanted him to be the spiritual head of our household because this has been taught to me. 
Um, and he in no way was ready or could be a spiritual head in my house. You know why? Because I was trying to put him in a role that only Jesus should fill. He can't be my spiritual head. Only Jesus is the head. Only Jesus can lead me spiritually. Because if I try to put anybody else between me and Jesus, what have I done? I've created an idol. I've created somebody who I want to be God to me. Oh, tell me what to do. That's what Adam and Eve got told by God in the earlier parts of Genesis. He said, and woman, you will want him to lord it over you. You'll want somebody to come between me and you because you're scared. But Jesus came that we can have equity in our relationships so that we don't need an idol, anybody to go between us and Jesus. You have everything you need in Christ. In our marriage, this is how we function. When we don't agree, we take it to God. And we say, Jesus, you're in charge. And we need to know what to do here. And then we get outside wisdom. Usually from people who have been married longer, like my parents, or from another pastoral couple who know. But we don't wrestle over who gets the last say or who's in charge. Because that's not what the Bible taught us to do. As a matter of fact, Jeffrey Miller says this on what mutual submission looks like. He says, mutual submission happens from above, below, and beside. It means that authority between believers is temporary and situational. It changes hands depending on context, giftedness, and need. In marriage, this means that leadership is shared and exchanged based on each spouse's expertise and need. In the church and world, this means that men sometimes need to submit to women and women to men, sometimes to men, but not because of their gender. This isn't about gender, right? In the same way, older believers will need to sometimes submit to younger people and young to old and leaders and pastors to their congregations and communities. This is what mutual submission looks like in practice. It means that I know that I have no business trying to tell Alfie what to do with that soundboard, as we learned this morning. <laughs> and Alfie doesn't often come to me and give me critique on my sermons unless it's how to get better. Because he knows that my expertise is in the studying of the scriptures. I have made it my effort. He knows that. But it also gives us room to come to one another, to learn of one another. Instead of jockeying for who's in charge of this church, we say, Jesus, this is your church. And you're in charge. And we might not see it eye to eye on everything. But in the end, we will literally not act on something until we get clarity. It is slow, and I hate that part. I hate waiting for Jesus to either speak to him or speak to me and tell us what's the right thing to do. I don't like that because I'm like, no, I know that this is the right thing we should do for the church. I know. I am, that's my title. I'm the lead pastor. I can pull all of it in my head, right? I can go, I'm the licensed one. I'm the one. But you know what? I'm not the one. We are the ones who have been called to start this church. We are the ones who are leading. And so I have to listen to him. And yes, now it's on tape. Dang it. <laughs> Tape? I use the word tape? <laughs> Jesus. Mm -mm. No, my goodness. God help me. 
All right, so now that we know what a healthy relationship looks like, SMIs and mutual submission, we can work towards a healthy us. Paul goes on to write this. He says, and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have the power together with all the Lord's people, that level playing field, all the Lord's people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you might be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Twice in this passage, Paul uses the word power. And this power, or the Greek word dynamite, translates to force. I love this because I'm a Star Wars geek. So I, as soon as I saw it in the Greek... The force. I was like, yes! God gives us the force through the Spirit so, so that we can move forward. Because a force is something that propels you forward, right? It's a force to be reckoned with, we'll say. Paul is saying that God's Spirit is the force that propels us to be strengthened in our inner being so that Christ can dwell up in our hearts. So he can take up residence, literally pack his bags and move in to our lives. And being rooted and established in that love, in his love, we can be unified with all of God's holy people. In student ministry, I would say... Airbody. Airbody. We even had shirts that said God loves Airbody. E-R-R apostrophe B-O-D-Y. Airbody. Because we have all erred and false sin of sort of the glory of God, right? So we lo- God loves Airbody. All right. And then, and then we have the word fullness in the Greek. And this word, uh, pleroma, which has a word picture with it. And I love this word picture. God says that he wants you to experience the love of God that brings fullness. Paroma. And the word picture here in the Greek is literally a ship that is filled with every body to run the sails and the rigging and man the oars and the soldiers to protect it. It means a fully stocked ship ready to go. It is the power to become a healthy, well-oiled machine that moves people forward. God wants us in this church to be a healthy, well-oiled machine filled to the fullness of God and on mission for Jesus Christ. And God wants your relationships to be healthy, well-oiled machines that get you to where he wants you to be. He wants you to be filled with the fullness of God till it overflows in everybody around you. When you are filled to the fullness of God, you will overflow to other people in your life. You will spill the love of God everywhere you go in every situation. A healthy me means a healthy us. That's why as your pastor, I take measures to make sure that I maintain health. Our church provides for me several things. If you didn't know, our church provides me with a gym membership. Our church provides me with a spiritual director. Our church provides me with a therapist. I pay for half. The church pays for the other half because I figure I'm responsible for the first half of my crazy and the church is responsible for the second half of my crazy. So I think that's fair. It's a fair situation, right? Why? Because a healthy me 
means a healthy us. Right? It starts with me. Your relationships start with you. So how do we start the journey to health and wholeness? I want to share with you three points this morning really quickly, really, really quickly, um, that you can recognize and take action on to start your journey towards healthier relationships. Y'all ready? Yes. Awesome. Number one, write this down. You have profound significance. Profound significance. When you understand your significance in this life and realize that nobody can take away your significance in God, that God made you, that he loves you, and that's enough. When you understand that, you will begin a journey to a healthier you. Instead of always trying to earn and achieve love, you just receive it. So you've got to begin to learn how to receive love. Then you can replace achieving with receiving. I don't have to earn it. I don't have to do enough. I can just receive it. I was talking to my pastor friend and I was telling him how uh, we were doing and um, some things I was struggling with. And he said, one of the most remarkable things that you need to know, Emma, is that you are not your Sunday morning numbers. And that doesn't matter how many people show up, God loves you. And it doesn't matter. God died for you. No matter how many people show up at your church on a Sunday, I said, oh, and he said, it took me a lot of therapy to realize that I am not my numbers. He said, so why don't you start getting that now? And I was like, yes, pastor. Yes. Significance is never earned. It's experienced. And the only way to experience it is by relating to God. Listen to how the message says this passage that we've been studying this morning. It says, And I ask him that with both feet planted firmly on love, you'll be able to take in with all the followers of Jesus the extravagant dimensions of Christ's love. Reaching out and experience the, the breadth, test its length, plumb its depths, rise to the heights, live full lives, full of the fullness of God. The more you know God, the more you receive God's love. Here's two practical ways I want to help you this morning. <clears throat> One is better self-talk. If you wouldn't say what you say to yourself in your head to your friend, don't say it to yourself. What you say in your heart and mind matters. The way you talk to yourself shows you a lot about where your significance is coming from. So when you're hard on yourself and you're mean to yourself and you catch yourself saying things that are harmful or not helpful, stop. Remind yourself where your significance comes from. Exchange phrases like, I can never do this with, I can do this. Exchange phrases like, if I make a mistake, it means that I'm incompetent. With the phrase, even competent people make mistakes. Exchange, it all comes down to luck. With, I can influence my environment. It's not just about luck. Exchange, this is impossible. With, I just need time to figure this out. The second thing you need to do is move past your past. The craze that we have that we need to go back and relive all of our childhood trauma 
It's true. We need to work through it. But we don't need to stay in it. So many times we just stay in it. No, you got to move past. Everybody has a history. Everybody has an emotional response to their history. We call it baggage. And you don't have to carry it into your future. You have a choice. Stop listening to the rhetoric that you don't have a choice that your trauma has permanently damaged you. No, God came and he wants to heal your trauma. Jesus came to overcome. Not so you can sit in your past. So to move past your past, identify your emotional triggers. And then shake off the excuses that are keeping you tied to them. Move forward. If you need help, we have um, wonderful counselors. I have their business cards out here. They would love to help you walk through it. I believe in therapy. I believe in medications. I'm going to say that. Some of us have trauma that has damaged, literally damaged, the chemical responses in our brain, and only medication can correct that. Just like diabetes, okay? I am not opposed to medications. This is science. Okay, this is not, all right? <laughs> However, I believe that if, if he wants to, God will heal that too. Okay? All right, number two. Uh, profound significance, you need to understand that. The second thing you need is unswerving authenticity. Oh, stop trying to be somebody else. Stop trying to be somebody else. Knowing that you're rooted and established in the love of God sets the stage for you to be your very best self. You don't have to perform anymore. You don't have to put on a show for me. You don't have to put a show for your family. You can be unswervingly authentic to who God's made you. Goofy as heck. Your Star Wars loving, gangster rap listening to, whatever. Be you. Authentically. Based in Christ. To be your most authentic self, you have to be vulnerable. And vulnerability is the key. Because healthy people don't pretend to have it all together. The reason why so many people connect with the message that I give is because I am absolutely vulnerable up here. I don't hold back from you. I don't pretend to have it all together. I say freely that I'm in therapy. Why? Because I need to be in therapy. <laughs> Trust me. It's better for us all. <laughs> but I also want you to know that it's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay there. So be vulnerable, yes, but you also need to increase your self-awareness. And here's an exercise I want to give you this week. For this week, I want you to go to people around you in your life and ask them this question and wait for their honest response. Is there anything about me that I don't seem to see, but you do? Is there anything about me that I don't seem to see, but you do? Where's my blind spot? What am, I, what am I not realizing about myself that might be true? Right? Process what you hear and then make adjustments to be more authentic to how you see yourself. You got to know yourself. And sometimes you need perspective to know yourself. Okay? Last thing. We have profound significance. We have unswerving authenticity. And the last thing to begin being healthy us healthy me, is a self-giving love. Because when you have profound significance and you have unswerving authenticity, you begin to cultivate self-giving love. Ephesians 4.3 says it this way, pouring yourselves out for each other in acts of love, alert 
at noticing differences, and quick at mending fences. We stay alert to noticing differences, but quick at mending fences. There's going to be differences. You stay alert to what they are, but you don't let them turn into a festering wound that separates. You fix it quick. You address it with empathy. Empathy is the natural response when you're rooted and grounded in Christ because Christ was, Christ was the most empathic person who ever lived. He was so empathic that he became one of us so that he could save us. All right. Empathy is this listening without solving, correcting, or controlling. Empathy is listening. Gentlemen, without solving or correcting, I love you guys, or controlling. It's hard, is it not? Because you want to fix it. Guys are natural fixers, right? It's also putting aside your agenda, ladies, because I'll pick on everybody equally. Putting aside your agenda and figuring out what's best for your partner or for your friend or for your coworker. The love and grace you are receiving from your creator will actually spill into your relationships when you work on a healthy you. Okay, so here's the popular opinion again. Just to remind you, popular culture says relationships are important as long as they serve me. And the most important outcome of my relationships with anyone is that I achieve something as a result of them, regardless of what it means for the other person. This achievement is more important than the person. And the goal of relationships is that they serve my interests and needs. Relationships only need to last as long as they serve my purpose. They are disposable. So here's the unpopular opinion based on God's word in Ephesians. Relationships are valuable because people are valuable and made in the image of God. The most important outcome of a relationship is holiness. To cultivate healthy relationships, I must start by being healthy myself. That means I must understand my profound significance, become unswervingly authentic, and give love out of the overflow of my relationship with God. I am empowered by the Holy Spirit, and I can have loving, healthy relationships. That's what God says. You can have healthy relationships, but it takes work. It takes the bending of your will to God's, and it takes the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul writes this last thing in Ephesians 3, 20 through 21. God can do anything, you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us. His spirit deeply and gently within us. One of my favorite songs, <clears throat> I think it's by Amanda Cook and it's called Kind. I would encourage you to listen to it today. But the lyrics talk about God and she says, you are not an angry man. God, you are not an angry man. You don't treat me like an angry man would. And I'm telling you right now, it's one of the most powerful songs because it helped reveal to me how I see God sometimes. Some of you have been seeing God as an angry corrector 
like a bad father. And he's not. He's a good father who loves you and he's kind. Paul says that the Holy Spirit is gentle. I can tell you that anytime the Holy Spirit has ever corrected me, it has been gentle. It might have been firm, but it's never mean or mean-spirited. He doesn't call me names. He doesn't tell me I'm not good enough. He tells me, you can do this. I'm here for you. That wasn't your best. That's what he wants for you. He wants a healthy relationship that start with a healthy relationship with him. So this morning, would you just kind of settle yourselves and kind of search your spirit if, if you close your eyes or bow your head, if that helps you. I just want to invite those of you who are experiencing right now a, a little nudge from the Holy Spirit telling you that you need to start a journey to a healthy self, that you need to start a healthy me journey. If that's you this morning, I just want to pray, Father, would you just come? Would you help us to become the healthiest, most <clears throat> best versions of ourselves? Help us to understand our profound significance. Help us to become unswervingly authentic. And then God, help us to live lives filled with self-giving love. Father, there are, are those in here who have been so wounded in relationships. Father, they, they have just had unhealthy relationship after unhealthy relationship. The one they're in right now might be unhealthy. But God, you are the restorer of all broken things. You are the healer of every heart. And there is no heart that you cannot heal. There's no wound too big that you can't mend it. Restoring it better than ever it was stronger. So God, would you do that right now? Would you begin a new work in us? Would you heal? Father, for those who don't know you, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to them right now. Father, we just ask that you would speak to their hearts. If you're here in this room and you don't know Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. Yes to Jesus means that you're going to stop living your life by your own rules. And it means you're going to start looking to Jesus to help you live your life. We say giving your heart to Jesus, but it's really asking Jesus to come live in your heart. If you haven't done that, I want to pray for you. You can also scan a QR code on the screen here in-house, or you can text, that's me to 94,000, and we'll get that text message. And all we want to do is connect with you via um, text this week and help you have some resources to discover your journey with Jesus and to help you along your way. If that's you, I just want to pray. Would you just pray with me? Jesus, I need a healthy start with you. I'm saying yes to a relationship with you. I'm saying yes today. I pray that you would help me. And as I reach out and, and share with Hope Church that I'm saying yes, I pray that you would <clears throat> help us to have a relationship that shows me more of who you are. And I thank you, God. Father, I just pray for anybody who needs to recommit their lives to you. I pray this morning that they would do so. 
Uh, guys, if there is a, um, a point in your life where you've walked away from God and now you need to come back and say, I'm back. Um, God, I want to give you an opportunity to take over what I've been kind of pulled away from you in my life. Um, you can text I'm back to 94,000 if you are online or you can scan the QR code here in person. Um, but we want to connect with you and we want to pray for you and help you reconnect to the Father because he's good and you can come home anytime. The word of God is a map to come home to God. So this morning, I want to pray with you. God, would you help us? Would you help us to recommit our lives to you, God? Would you help us to be found in you? Lead us by your Holy Spirit. Help us to say, I'm back. And help us to start a new journey, discovering a healthy us, starting with a healthy me. God, we ask all this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. We hope you found today's message both helpful and inspiring. Hope Church meets every Sunday at 10 a.m. in Seaford, Delaware. If you would like more information, you can find it at www.hopedelmarva.com. That's hope, D-E-L-M-A-R-V-A.com. Thanks for listening.